Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abebefe on VSEN. The Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This is our number two of the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Michael Lombardi hanging out at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Hour number one, a lot of fun. We kick off hour number two, though, with three straight guests. In 15 minutes, Bucky Brooks, NFL Draft Analyst for NFL Network. 30 minutes from now, Thomas Gable, Racing Sportsbook Director over at the Borgata. But joining us right now, Vicent, NBA senior analyst and also the host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. It is Jonathan Von Tobel, JVT, joining us to talk some NBA. JVT, hope all is well, buddy. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, we were talking about it in hour number one. It came out earlier this morning that uh, one Scott Foster will be officiating yeah. game number seven for the Warriors and the Kings. Right now, the Kings one and a half point favorites, total 228 and a half. You couldn't make up and could not write a better script as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, no, you can't. And look, I, I know that uh, Michael made this comment and I would agree. The optics of it are not really great, right? For those who don't know, and I'm sure on a sports betting channel, everybody knows Scott Foster had 134 phone calls from Tim Donaghy back in the day. It's why everybody, you know, makes that tie. And of course he's known as the extender, I think is the nickname, right? Mm-hmm. To extend a series out or extend the life of maybe a team. Do I think Scott Foster is going to come in and call this favorably for the Golden State Warriors? No, I would say probably not. But the optics of now having him on a game seven, I think that's what everybody is going to talk about. And look, I mean, the league kind of does this to itself, right? I mean, this is it's not even that they should avoid putting him on a game seven, but allowing him to, you know, maintain his status as a referee and given some of the stories of behind, you know, the record with Chris Paul and whatnot. I can understand why it's part of the conversation at the very least. Yeah, you have to, right? I mean, it's just to me, it, the optics is not good, JVT. Right. I mean, I, I'm not accusing him going to do something, but I just think to me now you we're, we're talking about the 0-2 game six and people can watch it on YouTube. I mean, you've seen it. I mean, do you think there were great calls in that game? I mean, you know, the, and then you know that the official has testified that it was kind of rigged, right? So yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I, I think it comes down to it. I, I said this, and I love your commentary on this. I, I feel like this is more of an in-game re- reaction than it is just, okay, bet the Warriors. I think you have to kind of see how the game will be called by him. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with that, Michael, especially when, like, you know, you've seen that in a lot of these series, right, free throw discrepancies and teams are going to push the pedal and try to force action at the rim are going to make a little bit of a difference. So I would say absolutely. And also, guys, like, look, in a game seven, when we talk about these sort of games, if it's going to be called tight and a lot of fouls are going to be called, look, this is a series in which you know, we've seen a lot of high totals. This is the lowest total on the board. Why? Because in game sevens, they tend to get more half-court oriented. The games tend to get a little bit tighter. Well, if you've got one of the lower totals that you've seen in this series on the board, but you're going to get a lot of foul calls. I mean, he's getting in the bonus early. means a higher up percentage of, of course, shooting fouls drawn. So I would agree with you, Michael. I, I think especially not even from a side standpoint, but from a total standpoint, you might want to watch how this is called and then get in there uh, from an in-game standpoint. We're speaking with Jonathan Von Tobel, senior NBA analyst here on the Lombardi line here. JVT, do you have a play in this game? What are you sweating out with this uh, Warriors-Kings game? Anything for you, side or total? So I've got a, I've got some pretty good futures on the Warriors at about just over like 9-1 to near 10-1 to one Femi to win the Western Conference. And, and given where they're at, there's some pretty good numbers. So I'm very disappointed that the Warriors could not win and move on in their home court the other night. So I'm very much pulling for Golden State. It's also a spot where, look, you're not in a position to hedge, right? It's first round, so it's not like I'm really going to get anything out of it. So I'm going to sit back and I'm going to root for the Golden State Warriors to get out of here. And look, it is a fascinating series. And I, I wrote about this uh, a little bit earlier today. You can see up in the, uh, the uh, newsletter, which is in your inbox every single morning uh, that I submitted for Bill, which is like when you look at the series overall, guys, the Warriors, a negative 33.3 net rating with Steph Curry is off the floor. A, a team in the Sacramento Kings that has generated a 21.4% frequency of wide open threes, but just shooting 35% on those wide open three point attempts. If those two things continue back in Sacramento, where we know they have ratcheted up home court, I think I kind of understand why the market has really budged off of pushing Sacramento the favorite and staying there. Like the, the Warriors have to figure out these non Curry minutes, and there's probably going to be fewer today because it's a game seven and you need to win this game, and he'll probably play well over 40. But those little moments when he's not out there, and if your defense is going to continue to give up some wide open shots, uh, I tend to think that, uh, unfortunately, the Kings are going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, look, the Warriors always get the pedigree factor, right? I mean, it's because yep. every, we just think they're going to get it turned on. What was your reaction last night watching the Suns Nuggets? Uh, you know, Michael, so I bet the Nuggets to win that series. Uh, I got them at about plus 120. So I was, I would say I'm surprised to the degree which the Nuggets won, right? They shot extremely well. Jamal Murray looks like him all his old self. He looks fantastic. And so I would say I'm not surprised by the result. I'm surprised by the degree of the result. And I think one of the things that really sticks out, and this is what we have to keep, uh, keep our eye on with the Phoenix Suns as we kind of move forward in this series and just in their playoff lives as we continue on, Michael, this is going to be a simple math game for a lot of these teams. And you saw Denver yesterday go, all right, you know what? We're going to shoot a crap ton of threes. And if you're a team that is just going to take mid-range jumper after mid-range jumper, we will trade that off. And to have not only 12 more three-point attempts, but nine more makes, it's a really big edge for that team. And it essentially explains where you're at in terms of the deficit that we saw yesterday. So I was thoroughly impressed. And I think you're going to start to see this a little bit more. They put size on Chris Paul. It was Contavious Caldwell-Pope on CP3. So that kind of negated his game a little bit. They were comfortable enough to put Aaron Gordon on Kevin Durant and live with what happens there. And they just took more three-pointers and made more three-pointers than the Phoenix Suns. And I think another thing, Michael, to really watch as we move forward in this series, and I tweeted it out yesterday, and we talked about it on the show yesterday. This is a team in the Phoenix Suns that is very thin. Kevin Durant had to average over 40 minutes per game in that series against the Clippers. Uh, same, same thing with Devin Booker. In the fourth quarter of these games against Denver, in altitude, when you're playing 40 minutes, going into the fourth, guys, uh, Devin Booker already had near 40 minutes of game time played already, mm. right? 
And so when you look at that and you're like, wow, these guys got to play nearly 44 minutes a game. You're playing in altitude. These fourth quarters are going to be really interesting. And they got smoked in the fourth quarter last night. And I wonder if that's going to be a problem for them as they don't have home court and have to play these things in Denver when you're getting those large minute loads for your best player. So to your, your original question, Michael, wasn't surprised by the result as somebody who bet Denver. The degree of the result was somewhat surprising, though. Yeah, I really like that fourth quarter angle. Could be a good live betting angle coming yeah. up here throughout this series. Oh, by the way, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, yesterday they shot 22 of 38. They still lost by 18. That's not a great sign no. for the Phoenix Suns going yeah, forward Femi, here. Really quick, and like to that point too, right? Yesterday, they they went 21 of 42 on all their mid-range attempts. That's a really good clip. You're shooting 50%. They're a good mid-range shooting team, and yet you still lost to the degree to which you lost because the other team had a higher efficiency from three-point range, and that's just that math battle we're talking about. Yeah, I, I, you know, that I agree with you. I mean, I think that, and the depth thing, I mean, when you give up all the assets to get Durant, it mm -hmm. does affect your depth. I mean, let's face it, and we know that these players, as they get older, 40 minutes plus plus, so that leads me to my next question, is speculating Lakers, Warriors, Lakers, Kings, are you sold that this Laker team could win the West? Not entirely. So we, we were discussing this on the podcast, Michael. So I think that as somebody who bet the Lakers to win that series against Memphis, and I'm very much in the postseason, all about how you match up with your opponent. And I thought the L.A. matched up so well with Memphis, given the injuries in the front court and how well they can play defensively, that that was more about the shortcomings of Memphis roster and how they matched up with one another than it is about the Lakers being one of the Western Conference contenders and, and powers that would be. And so, like, if they run into, if they get Sacramento in the next round, I would think that they actually are going to be a favorable matchup for them because while they're not going to have home court in either series, the Sacramento Kings don't really have a body to put on a LeBron James. They don't have a lot of size to match up with Anthony Davis down low. It's somewhat similar to what the uh, Memphis Grizzlies went through, except the Kings are not as good of a defensive team. So I think that's going to be something they can exploit. Where Golden State is concerned is they do at least have a couple of bodies they can throw at those guys, right? Mm -hmm. They have Draymond for LeBron. They have Kevon Looney for Anthony Davis. And, and so I, I think that that's a matchup where the Golden State Warriors would have an advantage and win, win, and move on. So I, I think to your overall point, Michael, like, do I think they're one of the best teams in the West? Well, by default, sure, because there's only four teams left. But if you're telling me, like, pick the four teams that you would have coming out of the West and rank them, it would be the two teams in that Phoenix-Denver series. It would be Golden State. Then it would be the Lakers. Yeah, sounds like if you're a Laker fan, you're rooting for the Sacramento Kings to go ahead and yeah. get that done later this afternoon here. JVT, how about this afternoon's game between the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks? Right now, the Knicks' five-point favorites total is at 209 over at the Garden. It's going to be electric. 90s basketball, Heat and Knicks, what do you think? Yeah, you know, and, and the total would tell you that too, right? I, I think that's the thing that really sticks out, I mean, when you see such a low number. But what's really interesting is in the four games that these two teams played, we had two really wild, like, raucous contests between these two. We had about 240 points in each one of them. And it was a lot of really well, well, excuse me, good shot making. Uh, Julius Randle had a ridiculous game winner in one of those things. And it was an angle that in this series, in the regular season, I actually tried to bet each game under and ended up two and two because two of them went flying over. But those were games like where the total was like 217, 217 and a half. The highest got to like 223. So now here we are at like 208 and a half. I actually tend to think this might be a little bit of an over series, especially if we're going to hang these that low. I understand why. But if you're looking at especially a hampered Julius Randle and the ability for the Knicks to rebound as well as they can offensively, I think both of these teams have the ability to put some elite shot making up like we saw in two of the four games. So do I think it's going to be like 122 to 120 like one of the games was? No. But do I think that the market might be falling a little bit more in love with what this this is on the surface, right? Heat Knicks. Uh, I, I think that might <laughs> kind of be the case. So I tend to lean over the total here at least. And we'll see what Randall is doing. I was just watching. We were talking about this off the air. I was just watching him warm up. It looks like he's uh, moving pretty well. So I'd assume that once he's officially announced as active, 
probably closes next six, mm-hmm. but I think that's pretty high just given the fact that we're only talking about a three-point difference from the game one line, remember, in Milwaukee, where Miami closes a nine-point underdog. How about this? Uh, we don't think Embiid's going to play. Give me your outlook yeah. on this series. Uh, the nine number, to me, if it moves a little bit, maybe he will try to go. But without him in this, uh, what's your thoughts, even if he comes back? I mean, how effective can he be if he's wearing this brace and he really isn't ready to play? Could he be ready to play? He's not ready to play Monday night. How's he going to be ready to play Wednesday night? I mean, those things don't heal quickly. Yeah, Michael, I I was of the mindset that even if Embiid was going to play game one or game two, that this is going to be a quick series in favor of Boston. I just thought the Celtics matched up really well yeah, uh, with the too. 76ers, right? So now if you're talking about no Joel Embiid out there, then it's a really big problem because your defense, which you already sacrificed by putting Tyrese Maxey back in the starting lineup for better offense, now is at a really big disadvantage. And so I think when you're looking at everything together, I don't think it would be surprising to see at all a four or five game series between these wow. two and that Celtics move on, especially if Joel Embiid's not going to be out there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Harden can't guard anybody in this game. He's in no. Vegas. He's been partying. He's busy. Yeah. You know, I, he's been everywhere. I, 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 he's been everywhere. Let's hope he's in Boston tomorrow night. <laughs> Let's just right. go from why, there. why don't they have practice, JVT? Isn't there not practice? I mean, yeah, I mean, I know Doc. Practice, I know Doc. I know Doc needs to golf, but don't they have a little practice? Can't we get together and kind of get things organized, as Al Davis would say? Thanks, JVT. Good luck Thanks, with JVT. the bets. Bucky Brooks, Good NFL luck, Network, guys. joining us next year on the Lombardi Line. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abbafe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted out specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 and older or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. 
Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. He's Michael Lombardi, former front office NFL executive. I'm Femi Abebefe, professional talker in the microphones, hanging out at the Circle and Resort. And attorney. And, and, and an attorney. And an attorney for, for my client, Justin Fields. No, he, you've got a lot of clients. Yeah, Don't well, just dismiss well, Justin. Fields Does, is my original, so... Yeah, yeah, you're like Oscar Goodman. You have a lot of clients. <laughs> I got to meet Oscar. It was wonderful. It was a great experience. He's a yeah. very good defense attorney, just much like yourself. There you but go. I'm trying to learn from the best. But let's get to our guest, though, who's yeah. on the phone with us right now. We had him on a few weeks ago. Yeah. Wanted to bring him back now that the draft is concluded. NFL Network draft analyst Bucky Brooks joining us here on the Lombardi Line to talk all things NFL draft. Bucky, we appreciate you taking the time this morning. In your opinion, and we all have a lot of opinions, but <laughs> which team won the weekend? Oh, wow. <laughs> Won the weekend. I think it's easy to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles winning the weekend, partially because they kind of invested in the front line people. When you think about the Philadelphia Eagles and what they've traditionally done, they built up their team by committing to drafting offensive linemen and defensive linemen early. And they just kind of continued to do that. And so when you see a team who has a clear identity, they know who they are, and they kind of follow those principles, it's hard to be mad at them, particularly when they get really good players like Jalen Carter, you know, a guy who is a dominant, disruptive player on the interior of their defense to play behind guys who are already established in Fletcher Cox and others. They have the ability to be good right now while also having an eye towards the future. So I give them a nod for the day. Yeah, I think you hit a great point, Bucky. I think a lot of everybody talks about grading drafts, but I think it's about – team building. And so that leads me to Atlanta. I love B. John Robinson. I think you like B. John Robinson, but I don't understand Atlanta's team building methodology, knowing what you just said about Philadelphia. You know, they go back, they draft Kyle Pitts. You can call him a tight end. No one in the league thinks he's a tight end. He's a big receiver. Drake London, another receiver. Now they come back and draft a running back. When they had good running backs on their roster, I I'm having a hard time understanding Atlanta's team-building philosophy when th all their defensive linemen are over 30 years old. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, though, because, like, they don't draft like Arthur Smith talks about playing. So when you hear mm -hmm. Arthur Smith in the middle of the seasons when they had a game where they just ran the ball down somebody's throat, and he talked about the offensive line and pounding and doing those things. And so you think that this is a team that's really going to commit to being heavy-handed up front. They're going to pound people and knock you around. I do understand that maybe Arthur Smith is influenced by his time in Tennessee where he had a star running back and Derrick Henry, and maybe he feels like there's a huge difference between good and great at a running back position for their team. But it runs counter to what the teams that you have to beat are doing. When you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, the teams that you eventually have to beat to be a Super Bowl contender in the NFC, you certainly have to have bigger bodies on both lines to contend with those teams. But we're speaking with Bucky Brooks, NFL Network draft analyst, talking all things NFL draft here. Bucky, which quarterback do you think is best set up for success that was drafted this weekend? Well, Bryce Young is best set up for success. And, you know, I've heard you guys on the podcast talk about David Tepper kind of jumping in and really being in the process. Well, I will say that when you talk to people down there, the way he set up the coaching staff, he wanted to make sure that it wasn't the good old boys network, that people weren't bringing all their friends in. He challenged uh, the coaching staff to be different, to go and get the best that you can at each position. So when you look at the people that are of influence around Bryce Young, you got Frank Reich, who was an NFL quarterback, Josh McCown, who's an NFL quarterback. Thomas Brown brings in some of the knowledge of Sean McVay's system. But then you have Jim Caldwell, who look, should be well-respected as a quarterback developer, given his time with Patrick Stafford, what he did with Joe Flacco in Baltimore, and the time he spent with Peyton Manning. 
So to have those four guys who know what great quarterback play looks like, they're going to ensure that Bryce Young is given every opportunity to succeed, and then they'll build the team around them. So Bryce Young's in the best situation, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I mean, you put it well there, Bucky. I mean, when you add all those things, and then Bryce Young, what I loved is his comment when he came to Carolina, said, just being the first pick, it's not guaranteed me anything. So you know he's got that unique ability to have great talent with an with an overachiever mentality. You know, you talked about Levis, and, you know, you – you didn't put him in your first round, but then you did because of all the kind of circumstances going around and the noise. But what's your thoughts on what Tennessee would look like and how this is going to manifest itself with him there? Yeah, it's funny, Michael. And, and this is the challenge. I don't know if you get challenged with this. It's the challenge of doing what you've always done as a scout versus what you have to do as entertainment, right? Yeah. And so my initial thought, like Michael Gladwell talks about blink. Like whatever your first impression is on somebody – Typically, that's what they are. I never viewed Will Levis as like that marquee franchise quarterback, right? And so you hear all the conversations, so then you put him in there in the mob because it's entertaining. Well, now that he's in Tennessee, I'm just curious because I look at this quarterback room. You got Ryan Tannehill, and you got Malik Willis and, and Will Levis, to me, who are more similar than different in terms of project players. And so I know Mike Brable has talked about these guys could mean that maybe eventually one would take over, but I don't know. If Ryan Tannehill goes down, are we confident that Will Levis, that you can put an offense around Will Levis to make him thrive? Because for all the talent, for all of the toughness and the big muscles, man, he is slow on the trigger when it comes to playing. And so he and Malik Willis are more like one and the same. I don't think the Tennessee Titans got better in the quarterback room, even though they feel compelled to take a quarterback right there at the top of the second round. Hmm. No, yeah, I, I think well said, Bucky. I mean, I think, look, you know, you do the draft. You're in entertainment. I mean, we're a little different here at VSIN and this network because we, we don't have to entertain. We can kind of break it down. But I agree, you know, you got to kind of play to the masses. And I think sometimes the players take the burden of that responsibility because they're kind of inflated a little bit in terms of where they are. And, and you know, when you don't follow the script of what or some people go with the, the player, then all of a sudden, you know, you've had a bad draft. For example, you know, when you look at some of these teams in the first round, I think like Cincinnati had a good draft. You know, they may not get an A, but Miles Murphy down there at the bottom of the first round, they get a really good defensive lineman that helps them and adds to their team, especially when you consider that that's what they need to improve on is their defense. You know, it's funny that you talk about Cincinnati. I kind of feel like Cincinnati subscribes to the Warren Buffett method of investing, right? They only take big guys from brand names. So when you think about how they draft, they don't do small school guys. They go and get big school guys from big conferences because they kind of know they're playing against the best of the best in college. So you kind of have an idea of what they're going to do as pros. And so in Miles Murphy, you get a guy who is athletic. He's a power rusher. He's shown production during his time at Clemson. But when you throw him into the rotation that they already have, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, he doesn't have the pressure to come in and have to be everything. He's another guy in the rotation. And you think about D.J. Turner, Jordan Battle, two other good players. Because what the Cincinnati Bengals have, they have a really good defensive coordinator who is underrated in my estimation. He understands how to take those pieces of the puzzle, put them together so they can play at a high level. And so, yeah, I think you have to applaud them for what they've done with their draft. And I think the other thing that they've done, they found a way to also backstop some of the positions that they know they will need. The wide receiver they took in the fourth round, Charlie Jones from Purdue, you can already see he is going to be the guy that probably replaces Tyler Boyd when they have to move off for Tyler Boyd. When they pay T. Higgins and they pay Jamar Chase, someone's going to be the odd man out. 
you can already see how the Cincinnati's are doing their planning by the way that they draft. Hmm. Well, let's continue to talk defense, Bucky. Uh, which defender do you think is going to make the, the, the biggest immediate impact in your one? You know, it's funny. So, obviously, I would normally say Jalen Carter because Jalen Carter is the best defender in the draft. Mm -hmm. um, and without the off-the-field stuff, he would be the one that I talk about. But I'm going to go back to New England and Christian Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm going to say this is because when you look at what the Patriots have traditionally done, it's rare that they really miss on a defensive back. And because of the amount of man-to-man -man and some of the match coverages that they play, you have to have a guy that has a versatile skill set. So when I look at Christian Gonzalez and I think about the young guys that they already have in place, I can see this defense being one that plays more coverage than pressure. But because they have better athletes than coverage, like Marcus Jones showed you, like Jack Jones and some of the other young players that are playing, I can see this secondary growing and Christian Gonzalez being the beneficiary of a lot of tips and overthrows headed his way. Yeah, I, you know, I think New England – I mean, Bucky, I, what I loved about New England, they draft three offensive linemen in the fourth round. And you know as a scout, if they hit with two of the three of those linemen, that makes the draft unbelievable. In 2015, we drafted Trey Flowers, Trey Jackson, and Shaq, Shaq Mason in the fourth round. And, and two of those three guys ended up being having huge second contracts. So it's really a, a, a big run. Is there any team quickly that you thought, uh-oh, they might have blown this? Um, you know, it's crazy. I, I think the order in which the Detroit Lions picked their players mm. made you worried. I like the players, but when you go the first thing, you're like, man, they took a running back and yeah. a linebacker. Those are not marquee positions. But then when you look at totality, they came back and got guys that fit how they play. They just did it in a different fashion. I agree with that. Mm. Broderick Martin from Western Kentucky, watch out. He's a good player. He is Bucky Brooks, He's NFL draft analyst for NFL Network. Bucky, we appreciate Thank the time, you, man. Thanks. Talk. Be, be well. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thomas Gable, Racist Sportsbook Director of the Borgata, joins us next. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VSEN.com slash picks page sort picks by sport matchup event date and more check the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records profit and ROI and see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand for VEASAN pro picks betting splits power ratings plus 24 7 video access become a VEASAN pro subscriber today sign up now for only $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe Welcome back. This is the Lombardi line hanging out at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Femi Abebefe alongside Michael Lombardi. And joining us right now, as he does each and every Sunday, it's our buddy, Thomas Gable, race and sportsbook director over at the Borgata. TG, hope all is well. Thank you for joining us this AM. Uh, we have the breaking news out of the NBA this morning, about 10 minutes ago. Knicks all-star forward Julius Randle expected to be out for game number one later on in about an hour or so. This is from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. How has that changed the line for you guys, Heat Knicks game one, coming up here shortly? Yeah, you saw uh, the market react to that news. Uh, it, you know, it was pretty much five, five and a half, and now a lot of shops down to three, three and a half. Um, when uh, Randall looks like will not be playing uh, today, so... Uh, not that Randall really was much of a contributor in that first round series there against Cleveland. So uh, I don't know how much the Knicks are really going to miss him here. I mean, uh, 
you know, you have two teams that were considered unlikely to be here when the playoffs began, but uh, this was once a great rivalry, so it should be a fun series and fun game today. And, you know, can the Heat continue their three-point shooting, which was terrific against the Bucks at 45%, or will they revert back to their regular season form where they shot 34.4%, uh, good for 27th in the league during the regular season? So no Tyler Hero. I, I think we'll probably see some regression, especially with New York, who defends the, – the, they defended the three very well against Cleveland, limiting them to only 32.7%. Uh, and now the Knicks, they don't exactly live by the three on offense either. Uh, during the regular season, they were below league average. And in the first round, they only shot 28.2% there against Cleveland. So you're seeing uh, some pretty low totals here you know, for, for these games, uh, for first round or first game, I should say, today in this, uh, in this series. Uh, total of 209, 208.5. Um, the Knicks, I think, should have a rebounding advantage in this series, and I expect the Knicks to also have the advantage in the paint in terms of both scoring and defending. And New York's bench is is deeper at the moment than Miami's due to some injuries there. But the, uh, the X factor is going to be Jimmy Butler, who played like a man possessed against the Bucks. And until someone can prove that they can stop him, you know, I'm a believer that this guy can will this team to a couple of wins in this series. Overall, I give the edge to the Knicks in the series, but Butler should not be taken lightly. You know, and and Tom Thibodeau is probably the biggest Jimmy Butler fan there is, right? I mean, he, you know, he's yeah. had him in Chicago. He, you know, drafted him. He's kind of went, brought him to Minnesota with him. And so if anybody knows how to defend him, you got to believe it's Thibodeau. And that's the one thing I think when you watch this series, you see two really good coaches going at it with the adjustments and how they are going to play defense as opposed to getting into their offense. And I think this total is going to continue to go down because I do think this is going to be an old-fashioned Heat-Knicks kind of game where it, it – and if especially, TG, if the officials allow the game to have some physicality to it. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, if they do that and uh, fouls are not being called, so you're not seeing teams – uh, shooting foul shots early on and, and getting into the bonus. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. If the, the refs let this play out, kind of uh, kind of like an old-school matchup, uh, the, these totals are going to remain low. We're speaking with Thomas Gable, racing sportsbook director over at the Borgata, talking all things NBA playoffs. TG, the report came out yesterday that Joel Embiid suffered what they're calling a grade one LCL sprain. He didn't play in game number four against the Brooklyn Nets as the Sixers closed out that series. Typically that injury, reports say that's about a four to six week injury. What percentage do you think we're going to see from Joel Embiid at some point later on this series here? I mean, probably not going to play till game three or so, but is he going to be 50, 60%? And how does that kind of factor into the numbers that you guys make for the series price and so forth? Well, we we haven't adjusted the series price uh, yet. Um, now, you did see a move uh, yesterday when the news came out that he was doubtful to play in game one. And we, we talked about that line a little bit yesterday. Uh, I think when I was on with you guys, it was seven. I said, you know, if, if a B gets ruled in, you'll probably see it go down to three and a half. If he's ruled out, it'll go up. Not, not quite getting to 10. It'll probably be around nine, nine and a half. And that's that's where it moved yesterday to uh, to nine. Most places are at nine right now. Uh, there are some nine and a half out there for for game one. But uh, it, to your, answer your question, what percentage is he going to be? I, I don't know. May, 
I think 50% maybe is a little optimistic. Uh, oh. I mean, the guy has played hurt, you know, in, in every playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, he's gotten injured, but he has played. Um, so, you know, as you said, if that injury takes four to six weeks, uh, typically to heal, you know, it's, you know, it, it's, and you also, I know it's a, it's a joke for Michael, but, uh, you do have to take into account what's his conditioning going to be like as well. Yeah. I mean, you really do. I mean, I kid about it, but it is, I mean, he's not an elite. I mean, Jimmy Butler is an elitely conditioned athlete. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can say that about Embiid. He's in better shape than he's probably been in any other series. But that doesn't say a lot, especially now that he's missed over a week. Last night, uh, we saw, uh, TG, we saw the the Nuggets look like they may be the best team in the West, the way they handled the Suns. Uh, how'd that outcome come for you? Well, I, it uh, lost a little bit on the game. Uh, the people were laying the points there with Denver. And again, we, we said it yesterday, we touched upon it. There, there's going to be an adjustment there. It's the adjustment for any team when they go and play in that altitude in Denver. And I think it compounds it for Phoenix when you have guys who are playing a lot of minutes like Durant and Booker, and it doesn't bode well in the long run. I mean, uh, their lack of depth is really the thing that everybody kind of points to as to what would keep them or prevent them uh, from winning the West. And this is a very tough series, tough place to go into and play when you have that lack of depth. Now, yes, they got ran out last night, so uh, guys were able to rest during garbage time, but uh, not exactly a good start uh, for Phoenix in that series. TG, the Game 7 coming up later this afternoon down in Sacramento, Golden State, Sacramento. The Kings, I'm looking right now, one-point favorites at some shops. Some shops have the Warriors favored here. Total is at 229 in that range. Uh, How do you see this one kind of playing out here with all the factors that are in play as well with the officiating now becoming a a part of the conversation? Yeah, I know. This was this was what uh, Michael was waiting for, right? For, yeah. for I mean, how how tone deaf is the NBA, TG? I mean, seriously. Well, yeah. I, I mean, that's that. I think is going that that to me is the bigger issue here. Not necessarily that Scott Foster is going to do anything, but if you follow the NBA for any length of time, uh, you know you you know the cloud that kind of hangs over Scott Foster, right? And um, and what has transpired in the past with Sacramento, no less. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't it have just been easier to assign him to the garden today instead of putting him out in Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it probably would have gone better for, for everybody. Right. But, uh, here, here we are. And, you know, golden state is, uh, you know, they opened the favorite, uh, it obviously moved to the Kings becoming the favorite. As you said, family, now most, most places are one, one and a half uh, in this game. Uh, we know the, the issues that Golden State has had uh, winning on the road this year, uh, but we'll see how this game is called. Uh, um, I, I think when you, you look at the total here, down to 229 and a half, uh, certainly a smaller total than what we've seen in the past, but it's going to be a tighter. Typically, game sevens are played a little bit tighter, uh, so that's that's why you have the lower total. But we'll also see again how the game is going to be called here uh, by Foster and crew. Yeah, I think it's an in-game 
TG. I think it's really, you know, again, I'm not being accusatory here, of, but I think it's, in a, it's really tone deafness by the NBA. But I think it's more of a chance to take a look at this. And, and JVT was really clear that when you look at the data, the numbers favor the Kings in this based on all the, the analytical study. My question to you is, are you getting any, are you getting any Laker action to win the West? Um, no, I, not too much. I mean, I know Las Vegas typically takes a, a lot of Lakers money uh, out there. We do. We typically do not. Uh, now, they are public teams that are kind of like, you know, the Cowboys or the Packers in the NFL where, where you'll get the, just that public money on the Lakers. But uh, our liability in the West really comes down to Golden State and Phoenix. So if uh, Golden State loses here tonight, uh, that's, that's one off the books for us, which will be good. Yeah, you need it. Yeah, I'm sure they're taking TG, a lot of you have a great weekend. <laughs> yeah. Thomas Gable, racist sportsbook director over at the Borgata TG. Thanks for joining us as always. All right. We will wrap up the show with a surprise guest. Yes, here yes. Here on the Lombardi Line. We went to the bullpen. We went to the bullpen. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abbafei, on VSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, the king of sports books, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
Welcome back. This is the final segment of the Lombardi Line presented by Bet MGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Michael Lombardi mm-hmm. here at the Circle Resort and Casino. And to wrap up the show, Michael, yeah. we figured that, hey, we've been talking a lot about this NBA playoff game, Game 7, Warriors-Kings, tipping off later on this afternoon. The officiating crew has been announced. The lead official, one Scott Foster, the infamous Scott Foster <laughs> among NBA fans and viewing public. So to wrap up the show, we figured, why not bring on another A Scott Foster expert. It? an expert on the matter. And he is the creator of the podcast Whistleblower, which covers the NBA betting scandal with Tim Donahue and everything that happened on back in the early 2000s. The one and only Tim Livingston joining us now here on the Lombardi line. Tim, we appreciate you taking the time this morning to join us unexpectedly, but we we really appreciate you uh, carving this out for us here. Uh, were you surprised as somebody who follows sports that the NBA decided to assign Scott Foster to this pivotal game seven in Sacramento? <laughs> not this is nba 101 uh scott foster makes the game more interesting scott foster foster drives ratings i mean mike and i have talked about this a lot offline and i believe on the show once or twice the referee should never be a storyline the referee is meant to be neutral but when scott foster comes into the arena that is never the case and so this has been an amazing series the the sacramento golden state series i've watched every game these teams have both been it's just one of the most fun playoff series in any sport that I've watched in a while, and it's a shame. It's a shame that Scott Foster um, refereeing this game is something that we're talking about, but ultimately that's part of the WWE ness of the <laughs> NBA. Uh, uh, Tim, you know you, you you know I love whistleblower. Take our audience through. Some may not remember the O2 Game Six. Talk a little bit about what Foster's influence was in that game as people that you researched and you researched a lot of people within and out of the league about the calls that happened in that game. So game six, the 2002 Western conference finals, uh, this was Lakers Kings. The Kings had Kings were up three, two in the series. They had a chance to wrap up game six and win the series and advance to a finals that they would have won easily. I forget who the Lakers. I believe it was the Nets. The Nets. Yes. I was just so it was one of those years, um, you know, the Lakers trailblazers in 2000 uh, when yeah, the Western Conference at this time was just so much better than the Eastern Conference. And so uh, that that game, Scott Foster didn't referee that game. That was Dick Pavetta, uh, Bob Delaney, and uh, Ke- what's the other guy's name? The other guy wasn't as bad, so I forget his name. But really it was Bob Delaney and, and Dick Pavetta. And the important thing to know in that game if you're an NBA fan, and this is what Donahue said, about NBA refereeing culture, which I believe in which everybody I've talked to the FBI on down believes is true. And that is that the NBA has company men officials that they assign to these games to help dictate the outcome. And I think previously before whistleblower, that was really dismissed as conspiracy, but we presented a lot of evidence that said, no, look at, look at the facts and really look at some of these games with this one game, this Kings Lakers game being the most obvious example of referees dictating the outcome of of an important game with a huge monetary, with the monetary blessing of the NBA, the Lakers going to that finals yielded. And that's, you know, if you look at David Stern, right? What is David Stern's dream finals? I think he said this in 02 or 04 in the Dan Patrick show. It's Lakers versus Lakers. The Lakers drive ratings. The Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings do not. And so we're we're at this point now where I'm really curious. This game is going to be 
going to watch this game very closely in a couple hours. And look, you guys, this is missing. I, I wonder if, I wonder how NBA insider betters view the Scott Foster element. And if he is, like, if you're betting, if you bet on the Kings just based on, on no refereeing bias or no refereeing element, if Scott Foster coming to the game means something, um, if that helps the Warriors, I don't think it would help the Kings, but you never know. Um, it's just, yeah, going back to that game, it's the most controversial game in NBA history. And based on my research, the NBA has a history of assigning referees to games like this to influence the outcome. Now, it's a lot different 20 years later where we are now, mm-hmm. the ability to scrutinize and the ability. But, but the thing about Scott Foster is that he referees games with bias. He is not a neutral arbiter of the game. He never has been. He never will be. So if, one of the, if he has some sort of bias versus Malik Monk that we don't know about or versus Draymond or whoever, that is going to influence the game. He has done it time and time again. The Chris Paul and James Harden feuds are no fluke. This is how he referees. He re- a referee is not supposed to have ego, and Scott Foster has a whole lot of it. And how did he tell our audience how he became – I mean, when you have a nickname as an official – You've done something, right? I mean, you know, this isn't WWE where you're George the Animal Steel. Like, I mean, how do you get? How did he get his nickname? I mean, what is the Scott? What is Scott Foster's name? Oh, the the, the extender. The extender. Yeah. The extender. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mike, you post. I posted on Twitter the other day. That's my fault. I just had a kid three days ago. Congratulations, Lucy. Congratulations, <laughs> you and your wife. Yes. Oh, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Um, so yeah, the extender. Look. The NBA, it's a very – anybody who chalks up our findings in Whistleblower 2 conspiracy, just follow the money. It's a very simple – the NBA, unlike the NFL, every single game matters monetarily. If a series goes four games, the NBA loses a lot of money not having those extra three games played. Ratings go up for every single game in the series. And a series really has to go six or seven games for the NBA to profit off of that series, especially in the earlier rounds. So Scott Foster as the extender, what we say about these company men referees, these Dick Pavetta types, right? And again, like Foster is one of the last remaining guys from that era who's refereed since the 90s and who came up in this basketball world of or this NBA refereeing world of your job as a referee, as a company man, is to help the company make money. And so Scott Foster as the extender basically means that he is aware He's taking into a game five or a game six. He has that in the back of his mind that there is money at stake here. And if the team that is down three, two or is down two, one, or is down in this series, if they win this game and extend the series, that's more money for the company. And so that's, what's fascinating. If you look at these games and again, not to bring it all back to betting, but I know that's what we all do now. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Yeah. That is something that, right. There, there is something like if I'm, if Scott Foster, Six. That series that is certainly something that I'm going to count as that doesn't guarantee anything. He's not going to call a hundred fouls on one team to ensure it. But if you look at the over the if you watch the game closely and you look at the game, oftentimes with guys like Scott Foster or Tony Brothers or these old school refs, I, I often notice. And I'm choosing my words carefully here, Mike. I often notice what I can see what I perceive as as bias in some of these calls. And I think it's something that it, it just, it kills me as a fan, but ultimately this is, 
it's part of the show and and the nba keeps these guys around for a reason well tim we got about a minute left have you bet this game and and, and who did you bet <laughs> he's gonna watch it we know I, I, that I, if, if lucy lets I, you watch it who, who are you betting <laughs> I was going to say, I, you know, look, there's, there's a recency bias watching Sacramento, what they did in Golden State last week. They're a point favorite. Um, I, I think I, I'm, not, I'm not a great better. So let me, let me preface with that. But look, the veteran, the veteran Warriors, game seven, I think I would I, – I have not bet this game yet because I have been more focused on changing poopy diapers. Yeah. <laughs> If I, if I am to bet it in the next couple hours, I would bet on the Warriors and, and hate it because I'm rooting for the Kings. I'm rooting from heart. I really want the fans of Sacramento are amazing fans. I got to meet a lot of them and, and just get to know a lot of Sacramento Kings fans during the making of Whistleblower. And this team is awesome. I, I don't know if they'll win the championship if they advance, but I really want the Kings to win. But unfortunately, I'd have to bet on them. I'd have to bet on Golden State. But, and that's where the Scott Foster element comes in. I, I'd be a fool. If I bet on... If I bet on Sacramento with Scott Foster ref in Game Seven, that would be that would be foolish for a coin flip game. Well, he's Tim Livingston. Check him out over so at Underdog good, Fantasy, the host and Thank the creator so of the much. Whistleblower Podcast. Tim, we appreciate you joining us. Impromptu interview, buddy. Be well, man. Thank you so much, Tim. <laughs> appreciate it, guys. Talk soon. All right, that does it for us. Here for Michael Lombardi, I'm Femi Benfe. For our producer Elliot Bowman and the entire crew, we wish you all the best of luck. The handle with Dave Ross and Matt Brown coming up next. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 